Hello and welcome to the Bald Move Television Podcast, also known as the Bald Move TV Podcast, also known as the BMTV Podcast. Uh, we're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to be talking, as we have the uh, last few weeks, uh, about HBO's The Deuce, uh, specifically Season 2, Episode 3, 750. Mm-hmm. Which is apparently the price of a 14-year-old hand job in New York City in 1977. Yeah, is that is that a good or bad rate? I don't know. I've never had a fourteen year old hand job in New York City. I, I man, there is a lot of the, what's so funny about this is there's so much like fucked up stuff going on in the background that the show doesn't <laughs> even comment on. Uh huh. You know, like the fact that like uh uh Black Frankie, I think, got an underage hand job from some poor girl. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and and she got a fifty cent tip for for the work. Like it, it reminds me a lot of like um. You know, Mad Men, like Don Draper throwing a beer can into the Park River and and Mrs. Draper just just shaking all of the picnic trash into the the forest. Uh-huh. Like, like, holy shit, you can't do that. And, and just not. But this is like the same thing, only on a much larger, more horrific scale. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Jim? Uh, I, I like this episode like I have liked the previous two. Uh, it just th- this kind of storytelling is really engaging, even when there's nothing crazy going on you know like things are starting to ratchet up uh the tensions between the two different factions of the mob here uh are starting to come to a head Mm -hmm. but you know nothing too crazy is happening there's a fire in the background uh there's an award show there's you know frankie winning a a laundromat essentially a laundry (laughs) service none of this in itself is like that exciting but everything just feels so natural well, and, it doesn't feel like a scripted show. It almost feels like they just threw a camera down on a table and these people were having this conversation, you know? Yeah, like, um, e- yeah, because I, I think this is one of the best episodes of the series and we're only in the third episode. Right. Um, but but you're right, like, Frankie winning that dry cleaning place <laughs> blew my mind because, like, you think uh-huh. he's on the he's and, and he's certainly still on the, the arc of how he's going to fuck things up. Yeah, but they throw him this giant bone just as Rudy's kicking him out of the org. So he's gonna have like the I am expecting kind of I I, I think I, I guess I'm fooled myself to think I'm watching Better Call Saul because I'm I'm thinking this is gonna be hilarious hijinks, mm-hmm. but it's probably gonna be some kind of heroin front or something that uh, Frankie probably has no idea what he should if he should be in it and probably should pass it by, but he's not. Um, but yeah, no, I. It's interesting that this show, a, a weakness of it is with these big time jumps, you trust a viewer to stay with these characters um, and kind of like forget the fact that they haven't really changed that much visually. And, and you, you just kind of and, and three episodes in, I already feel like I've caught up to all the years we've passed. And mm-hmm. when you say the tensions ratcheting up like. They had a house fire. It's kind of like this one-off, played very low-key. Like, yeah. in fact, you miss the significance of what's going on until towards the very end of the scene. But you know that's the, fir- that's the first shot fired. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe it was a Cold War, and now it's literally a hot war. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's stuff like that, and the show's so smart that they don't have to, like... You didn't have to see a meeting where Rudy says we need to put the print... print. You, just, you just understand what's, what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of other really sly things like 
I think, I think, but I don't know that you know that little vice cop that we said in the first episode is like we like a big weasel because he's at Vince's three sixty six club with talking about prostitutes and drugs and all this stuff, and he's you know doing these sham stings on places. Uh, did you, I think we're to understand that after Chris, det- the detective, uh, turned down the the mayor's moral squad, that that guy took the position. Hmm. Okay. So, like, the mayor's new moral squad is doomed from the get-go. It's it's already corrupt, yeah. Right, right, at, at least uh, uh, from that angle. But it wouldn't surprise me, I wonder if this is the thesis of the season, that even though the, the cops and all this stuff is corrupt, that just pouring money into Times Square is going to be enough to destroy these, these, these industries. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the industries as a whole, but certainly the... the action in Times Square is going to change significantly, right? It goes more from, you know, the, the, this CD kind of underground sort of thing, mm. uh, vice-based to tourism, you right. know, over the course of the next 30, 40 years. And it doesn't need the police to be effective. It's just like families start going down there, business people start going there, lights start turning yeah. on, and suddenly the Johns are like, whoa, I might be seen by... My kid's teacher. If I, it's it's no longer the raincoater section of the city. It's it's mm-hmm. it's 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 so like even with the cops kind of being inept or corrupt, it still might work because you know money triumphs overall. Yeah, it uh, seems like they're really going for the real estate angle. You know, the, the construction, building, uh, new apartment buildings, stuff like mm-hmm. that, and bringing in a different crowd. Which right. we, we were we were kind of wondering that after the the comment about oh, you know, the the two biggest crime fighters or construction money and shovels. Screwdrivers. Yeah, so that was the exact quote. Uh, Sheetrock and cranes. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that seems the plan they're going with. Yeah. Um, I also thought it's really... Uh, well, I, I want to talk a lot more about this episode, obviously. But before we do, I wanted to also take a break and talk about some news. Um, okay. It came out uh, this week that HBO has order, ordered a third and final season of The Deuce. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did some digging, and I guess in interviews, Simon and Pe- uh, Pelicanos have always said that we have kind of like a three-season vision for the show. Start out in the early 70s, uh, cover the, the late 70s, uh, then jump to the mid-80s, which is interesting because, like I said, the drawback of this format – I mean, the the benefit of this drawback is it's it's fun. Like you get to see all these different changes in clothes and life on the street and this fledge mm-hmm. this industry go from fledgling to uh established to probably mainstream and then it's or it, it's rise and fall, you know? Mm-hmm. Um because we there's still a thriving porn scene, but it's not what it was back in like the Boogie Nights days. Sure. Um and that's that this was so the strength that is is obvious, but the weakness is you got to spend two, three episodes every single season reminding people why they care, what the stakes are, where these people's how how all their positions in life have changed. So, mm-hmm. um, I yeah, but I'm I'm excited to get and I, I I like to see HBO do right by Simon again by you know essentially bankrolling whatever he wants to do for as long as he wants to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm happy when a show announces a firm end date and the creators are on board with that. Yeah, uh, there there isn't some struggle of like, well, we want one more season, but we can't get the money for it because that always leads to uh, less than satisfying wrap up. Yeah, 
I'm also excited for it to jump into like my living memory. <laughs> you know, okay. if they go in the mid eighties, like that's, that was like, I I'm nine, 10, 11 years old. And like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously it was a stranger to the porn scene, <laughs> but like the fashion and the music and all that stuff, I'm kind of looking forward to. Right. Before we get into the episode proper, I just wanted to talk about some stuff going on here at baldmove.com. Uh, number one, uh, you're on the Bald Move TV feed. Stay tuned later this week because uh, Cecily and I will be talking about our experience with BoJack Horseman, the latest season that just dropped on Netflix. We've seen it. We're ready to talk about it. And Jim and Cecily are going to be talking about another Netflix series, Ozark. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Also, if you're a club member, uh, Empire Business is dropping every Monday. We just released a podcast uh, covering our um, involvement with the podcast movement in Philadelphia this year. We also have ones coming out on advertising, uh, a studio tour, and the state of the Bald Move Empire uh, in the weeks coming ahead. Uh, we also do in Better Call Saul Season 4. Don't forget, if you're a club member, you can join in on the Instant Talk podcast. Uh, check out the website for more information about that. Uh, you can also listen to Cecily and I talking about American Horror Story. If you're into that, every night on Wednesday, we release an instant take, and then we do a feedback podcast on Friday. Uh, and that's what's going on at baldmove.com. All right. Do, do you want to start talking about this episode in some kind of structured way? Um, I sure. will throw out Cece and Lori as a topic. Okay. Uh, to does that, does that encompass the award show as well? Like, yes. kind of everything? All right. Yeah, I mean, we can. I, I carved uh, Candy and uh, and and Harv's kind of thing out. Like her her Odyssey is separate, but yeah, we can talk about her coming. It's it's you know, she's like Bilbo Baggins. She's there and back again. Uh, yeah, this is this is probably the most dangerous of of all. Eh, I, I don't know. Rudy's is very dangerous too. Rudy's storyline, but yeah, the, the the one that I view as most like personally scary is the Lori storyline because we've seen. And, and there's a good reminder at the end of this episode what happens to people when they cross CC, right? Especially his women. So, and if if you needed a reminder of that, just think back to what happened to Ash, aka Dorothy, here uh, mm-hmm. in season one. And Lori, at at the same time, is on a trajectory out of CC's life, but yeah. also further into uh, the violence that CC can, you know, purvey upon someone. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's scary. It it is. And I mean, I actually was kind of shocked that Lori came back. A, a little I bit. Thought, yeah. I kind of thought that she was going to when she went home with that actor dude, um, that she was just gonna stay out there and we might not hear from her for mm-hmm. a long stretch of the season and then she would pop back up like I don't I don't know what condition, but I, I kinda thought that's where they're gonna put her into an ice box a little bit. But mm-hmm. I was shocked that she came back and I it's like like was threatening to treat Cece like an equal or saying mm-hmm. that like I'm actually outgrown you and man, that's I, I wonder why she did come back to Cece. Has she made the same mistake that Ashley did previous and she's fallen kind of in love with him? I mean, that doesn't seem right. I don't know. I mean it it seems like a perfect comparison, right, with Lori and Ashley, because uh, Ashley did this exact thing. She got away from Cece, went to the mm-hmm. West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, now she she came back, but uh, I think she's out out of Cece's orbit at this point. Yeah, but well, but Lori yeah. doesn't. Lori hasn't gotten there yet. You know, Lori yeah. didn't need to come back. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think yeah. she could have made her way in California. It's probably it would be a hard road, but not any harder than the one she has in New York. No, yeah, and and the chance, like, the fact that there's not mob out there and there's not mm-hmm. the big pimp scene, like, that seems like it'd be a big plus. But 
the one thing that I keep coming back to with Lori is like Lori came to this New York City with her eyes wide open and mm-hmm. chose this life and wanted it. So like I, there's there's a little element and I don't and because of that, I don't do you think CC's ever had to like brutalize her the way he brutalized Ashley? I wonder if like this is a side uh of of her that of him that he's never seen or she's never seen because she's always done exa- you know, she's always been on board with the plan. And yeah. now the plan's changed, and Cece doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah, no, that, that's a pretty good read, I think. Uh, Lori strikes me as someone who, you know, being into it from the very beginning has not really pushed Cece's buttons the way that somebody who wants to get out of it yeah. would have. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of interesting things about how, you know, because I, I used to think um, Larry was a stupid pimp. <laughs> okay. Uh, and everybody else had a little bit of charm and sophistication to them, but mm-hmm. boy, you really see how thin that veneer is. Where Cece turns into like a six-year-old about the concept of flying. Yeah, completely... I, I actually didn't like this. I thought it made Cece look kind of dumb. Like when he when the, she's talking about the time zones, and he's like, "Oh, we're going back in time." I'm not getting down with that shit. Like, come, come on, man. You know that time travel is not a thing that airplanes do, right? Like I mean, you, you understand the basic concept of air travel. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that was a little too far into like. But on the other hand, like this guy might. I mean, this guy don't got a high school degree. I, He's never flown. I get it, but but he knows what an airplane is, right? <laughs> I guess. Could he explain Bernoulli's principle and lift versus ha, thrust? Ha, I, has he ever had a phone call with anybody outside of New York? <laughs> like you know not what? I on bet not. No? I bet not. I bet not. Too expensive. The, the it's long like those. I, I, it's it's like those. Um, you know the little hoppers in the wire when they got out of Baltimore for the first time, and the radio started fading away, <laughs> and it blew and it blew their mind because and it, yeah. and, it, and, and it blows the audience mind because you just realize they've never made it twenty miles out of Baltimore before. Uh, yeah, and two, they don't fucking know how radios work. Uh-huh. Like it. It. I. I think that. Sometimes we underestimate like how how ignorant a person that like bounced out of school in fifth grade and just started the life could be and yeah. like and, and and how brittle he is too like mm-hmm. when he's at home with his other lady uh, and you know she he gives her some bullshit thing and she's dumb she's she's ignorant too she doesn't know that pagers can take long distance phone calls and he because he's he's just so fragile and then her reaction of like oh huh didn't know that fucking sets him off it's crazy Mm -hmm. it's crazy how brittle and fragile this guy is here's the other thing that i kind of thought cc was dumb for Mm -hmm. is letting Lori go on her own uh that's the one place where he should be street smart enough to know that he can't let her off the leash or at least that far off the leash yeah but i mean that's like all these institutions that have been rocked so far, the pimps, the mobsters, like they're all all slipping. And there is that mm-hmm. there's a really interesting in, uh really interesting energy between Lori and him when he goes, "That's it. Nope, you're too valuable to risk." But and she's like, "Come on, Cece, you know I gotta go." Mm-hmm. And I think that's the game. I think, and I don't. I mean, I did. You know, he might go crazy and kill her or hurt her real bad but like i think the mental the mental domination has been snapped at that moment because he yeah. could have just been like woman what you contradicted me get the fuck out and he didn't he didn't um and i i you know i i wonder why because the other thing is 
he knows Ashley or Dorothy's history as well as we do, like it must be pretty terrifying for this guy to be like, you know, to face a prospect of another girl walking out on him and not needing him. And I'm not trying to gin sympathy for this guy, obviously. Right. I'm just saying like that, that's definitely the mental dynamic you're supposed to understand. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to empathize with and sympathize, but that's exactly what he's feeling. And, and I guess I would have, I would have liked it a little bit more if it wasn't just simply a matter of, uh, I'm afraid to fly. Um, and so this is causing me because I mean he's writing her coattails right at this point mm, yeah, that, yeah that's exactly. what he's doing he's exactly. he lets her go because he knows she's going to get more publicity and popularity and therefore command higher rates straight 2k for a fuck as he says uh, that's that seems high that's right <laughs> I mean I mean it's much higher than anything she's getting right now uh, right she's right. making a couple hundred at a time on these movies because that so, is a much rare commodity like porn was just starting because i'm thinking like i i've heard tell you can get you can sleep with porn stars who are into that kind of thing in like vegas for <laughs> anywhere from a thousand to two thousand a night huh like that's we'll that's find held, out during bypacks i think right <laughs> that's held pretty steady against inflation so yeah. uh maybe it's just that there's like a lot bigger supply of young women who are willing to do it now versus you know what was there Could like be. maybe a dozen well-known potent stars back in the day. I'm speculating. I have no, no, no knowledge about what porn was like when I was born. Right. So, I mean, he does have to let her go. He's, he's mm. got to let her go. He should go with her to keep yes. her on the leash. But if he's not going to, he has to at least let her go because at this point, he's, she is his meal ticket, you know? Yeah. And, and every single episode, you went from her saying, you know what? We could drop her off. It's on the way, blah, blah. And him, like, snapping at her to... Last episode, when they were celebrating her nomination, and he tried to take all the credit, like, I taught you, and he goes, she says, nah, you, I, I came off the bus knowing plenty, and he kind of begrudged, like, every single episode, she stepped a little bit far further outside his orbit, and I just mm-hmm. feel like this is where she a- achieved escape velocity, whether he comes after her or not, I, I think that there's no way that she's going to be, like, underneath his thumb uh, from this point forward. Yeah. Smash cut to episode four where he's cutting her <laughs> armpit, and I'm right. like, oh god, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring this on to you, Lori. Um, well, I, I, there's a lot of cool stuff at the party itself. Like uh, they took a they, they they took a shot or paid homage to Westworld, depending on how you uh, interpreted it. Right. With the uh, it's a it's a parody of Westworld instead of cowboys and Indians, all sex robots. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which is that's that's really Westworld as far as our involvement with it. You know. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty funny, and um, I I wondered what they were introducing with this Greg, this adult uh, actor guy. Um, is that going to be her like lifeline to get out the wet the West Coast later on? Could be, could be. I was wondering if he was going to try to because like I don't believe that women on the West Coast go unexploited. I just <laughs> right. I'm not going to believe that about 77 because I'm all, so I'm always kind of looking for the game behind the game. Like just when Eileen got with this uh, Alex guy and you think it's going well and then he's like, oh, yeah, suck me for 10 percent for 10,000 and 10 percent. Yeah, it's like where I'm, I'm always I'm always I'm always looking for that other that other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then I think that final scene with Ashley is actually key to Lori's uh, story here. I think mm-hmm. seeing Ashley is going to piss CC off, right? It's going to oh, remind yeah. him, this is a girl I lost, uh, and it might actually push him toward violence on Lori. Yeah, and that 
man, that scene because I I was doing the math in my head and I'm like, okay, it's pissed off Cece versus uh, you know Dorothy and Abby and whatever that one dude that's not Presbo. I thought he was Presbo. He's not Presbo. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know. And he had that cane. That big weighted in, and I'm like, man, if he takes us across her face, there's nothing anybody can do about it. And that, like, that yeah. menace is underneath the entire scene. The second she walks out of the bathroom, I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> and uh-huh. the actor, like, shows all that, shows all of that, like, like that fear, but also not going to back down. And then when he finally goes away, uh, and he growls out, like, you know, you have a good evening, Dorothy. And someone at the, the not president ask who, who was that? And she says, nobody. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, that was an amazing, that was an amazing explosive moment. Yeah. Um, do you want to stick with Dorothy for a minute here? Um, sure. Because I think what, so, so she shows Abby, like what street level activism looks like. She introduced this Arlene character who has this van that goes around and offers basic health care for service for women and counseling and, you know, a sympathetic ear. And if they want to leave the life, they'll try to help them. But what they're really trying to do is stabilize these women, get them to a point where they can all talk together and start organizing because they did that, you know, on the West Coast or trying to implement it on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I felt like at some point, Abby was kind of skeptical about like this approach like like she's more of like you know black bag flashbangs get the prostitutes out there and send them to a house in the country or send them like you know it's like almost (laughs) like rescuing a sex worker um was that was that just me or did you kind of get a little bit of that too no i think you're right um i'm i don't know if abby knows where she comes down on this just yet Mm -hmm. i think she's gonna have to see a little bit more of it yeah I thought the wall of kids is interesting because, you know, you hear so many, like a lot of people don't have any sympathy for like sex workers or any kind of person engages in criminal activity. Uh, and they're like, well, they made their choices and I don't have to, but like that wall of kids shows like, regardless what you feel about prostitution and, you know, this kind of, this kind of grift and, and, and vice, like those kids did nothing, did nothing wrong. And mm-hmm. by persecuting their parents, by throwing them in jail, by putting them in the foster system, uh, and and refusing to actually help these women, you know, get on their feet and on with their lives, provide them resources, you're dooming entire generations. Yeah. And like every time I saw that wall, I was thinking like, you know, a couple of those kids are probably brilliant, but no one's ever going to find out because mm-hmm. they're not even going to have a chance to shine before they wind up in jail or dead. Um and it's 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 depressing but like you have to get over the need to want to like punish wrongdoing to like get at these societal ills which is always something i felt like david simon's trying to say with his with his art right um, and i i do like i guess the approach that they're taking with this um mm-hmm. you know when when dorothy i'm just gonna call her dorothy i don't i don't know which is actually her real name uh dorothy's her real name ashley was her street name okay all right uh when dorothy is you know, last episode saying we need to, you know, we can't, we can't change the base problems here. What we need to do right. is give support. Right. Uh, I, I think that's good. They're in there doing it. <laughs> At one point during this episode, they say their goal is decriminalization, mm-hmm. which I'm like, good fucking luck. Right. Cause, right. you know, we've seen how that's gone over the past 40 years. No, I mean, like decriminalization when it comes to any of this vice stuff, 
I mean, I if you're a David Simon fan, it's got to be like the most no duh solution in the world. But right. like, we are still on forty, going on fifty years war on drugs, you know, war on poverty, war on pro- prostitution. It's uh, I don't know. It we are yeah. very slow <laughs> learners for some reason. I'm not sure what it what what it is because it's like. You know, the first time the nation did that, went crazy and banned alcohol, it only mm-hmm. took a decade to be like, whoa, whoa, look what happened to her. This is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, <laughs> right. I it's because it was the most ingrained of the vices, right? Just like everybody drank. Maybe. Everybody drank. Maybe. Like, not everybody goes out and hires uh, prostitutes. Yeah, or... I guess I guess it's that is that is true. That is true. I mean, drinking is probably the most pre- – between drinking and tobacco, that's the most prevalent yeah. vice there is. But um, – no, I thought it was, I also thought it was interesting how like um, the official system is persecuting this uh, Arlene too because she says that she got arre- her her and her van got shut down and arrested because she was accused of felicitating or facilitating prostitution or some kind or, or or intimating yeah. that she was prostituting in that little wagon that she's got. And I'm like, come give me a give me a fucking break, right? Fucking With the break. pictures of kids on the wall, that's what you want when you're right. Paying for a fuck, Every right? John wants to see the illegitimate <laughs> children of the tricks he's turned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's hoping one day he'll he'll his his seed will make that board. Like, get the fuck out of here, right? Ah, uh, I don't know. What did why did CC go to Abby's bar? Do you, he I think he was there just to pick a fight with her, right? Uh could be. Actually, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. She might need some more security if she's going to continue being the local sex workers union uh town, hall, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like that's one of the uh unfortunate subplots of this episode is that Paul and Abby's business where they're running, you know, like like hey, we don't need security cuz we got a nice crowd here. It's not a bunch of angry like I feel like that piece is going to be shattered. Uh like 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 a one man vendetta in the case of Cece and organized mafia in the case of Paul. Um, yeah, so I want to talk bad. about Paul. Are we ready to do that? Yeah, let's do that. Let's move on to Paul. Okay, so he's he's in an interesting situation because I I think, I think Rudy is going to let him out. You know, when when Rudy says, "Look, he can go his own way. I'm not, I'm not going to bother him. That's fine. I, I don't like it, but I'll let it happen." I yeah. think Rudy is being honest there. Now, I I did too. I to me that seemed exactly like um, uh, Avon let cutting Cuddy loose. Okay, like, yeah. not necessarily like it, not even agree it, but like you know what they have done well for me. They have done a lot of hard work. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the the problem here is that by the end of this episode, you realize Paul's probably going to need Rudy's protection. Right. And now that Paul is in the wind with no protection, what's stopping, you know, a fireball from coming through his window? Yeah, I mean, the fact, because, like, you know, the problem with crim, crime the problem with crime, the problem with crime is that there's no there's no protection for law. There's no pre- right. it's like it, it it's it's literally the strongest survive and you know the the families meet and they try to keep the peace but when they don't uh there's no way Paul can be like, "Oh, well, th- you know, this building here, Rudy's not getting his beak wet at all on." Right. Like, you know, the 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 guy burning your building that's like, "Yeah, tell, you know, go tell it to the judge." Oh, wait, the judge won't care because this is a mafia deal. Like Mm-hmm. he's a known associate of Rudy. And just because he's not getting his money for this particular project, like, I think it's interesting that like Paul 
And I think this is, might even be a problem for Eileen. They think they can draw, they can carve out a line that's like, this is our shit. Yeah. And it's it's going to be clean and not dirty. But from society out, society looking in, you all look like you're a mess. It's gangsters uh-huh. and sex and drugs and trafficking and all this stuff. It all just looks bad. And you're going to get lumped up. But they think that they can somehow draw this bright line and be like, oh, no, no, this is a, this is a force field that's going to protect us from all that. And doesn't seem like and it's, and it's not like Rudy's going to go again. He's not... He's not reneging on his word. It's more like storms coming, uh-huh. and if they don't, if, if they're not paying me money, they're not going to get my protection. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a bad time to have tried to go out on your own because you're going to need some kind of protection. Yeah, but I mean, it, it seems so smart. Like, yeah, you don't want to do yeah. the mob money because then you're you're entangled with them forever. Like, like, and everyone says like Vince is like I always knew you're the smart one, and like the way Harvey. Uh, says that about Eileen. It, it's just like it's the smart play. It's just the wrong time to make it. And it's it's so funny because that episode where Bobby sees all the mattresses going into the the, the building that presumably gets firebombed. This episode, we thought that was just opening up a whorehouse, but it's also kind of a sly like going to the mattresses reference, like <laughs> Godfather style. Like right. the, the it's it's finally going to get hot. Like, and mm. I thought that scene. You know, I wasn't expecting like a really quality mob scene out of this this series, but Rudy going to uh, shit uh, Carmen, who's the mob boss above them, yeah. and trying to settle his beef with the horse was low key, kind of like you know uh, the Corleones uh, meeting with the five families and the Godfather. Like, yeah, it was the exact opposite of that because Rudy thought there was an understanding. Rudy's gotten a little fat and lazy. That understanding's gone. Um, it it's pretty good. Yeah. It, pretty it was. Good. It was. And those are the kind of scenes I'm talking about, where you know they just set the camera on the table, and right. and this conversation happened. You know, right, right. Uh, and... It just felt so natural. The, yeah. the, the other thing uh, you mentioned, you know, wanting to wanting to kind of do this on their own with Eileen and also uh, Paul. It's hilarious when Paul goes to Vincent and he's like, look, Vin, I don't want to take Rudy's money. I want to do this on my own. And Vincent's like, with my money. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> Do this right, right. on my own with my right. money. Yeah, but you're not mob. It's like, all my money's mob money. Yeah. Right, it's, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the other kind of, like, I guess, farce about it, that, like, you can get one level removed and it's not going to be mob money anymore. Well, uh, were you surprised that Vincent went to Rudy and said, hey, Paul wants out? No, because I think Vincent's not an idiot, and that's exactly what you got to do. You got to go get the hoodwink yeah. to say it's okay, because otherwise, like you're going to expect Rudy to because because Rudy's going to find out right one right. way or another, and you want to get uh, that's not a beg permission uh, or beg forgiveness, ask permission kind of situation. So yeah, it was played mm-hmm. straight. Um, and the thing is, is like I don't think I don't think trying to think of like what the mob rule would be there i don't think rudy would like prevent them from opening it but he might tell vincent that you can't bankroll them with my money you know that i paid you uh and again I mean, I, that's not I, legal I, but <laughs> right right but, but i think like if you're the horse uh-huh you might just say no no you can't do that hmm. and and as a matter of fact like it, th- that club is a good idea uh, mm. i want to open that club and we're going to be in it together yeah, and you just don't what do you give do? him a choice. Yeah. yeah. Again, go to the cops. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, go to the crooked cops that are uh-huh. bought and paid for. No, like that's 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 not going to work. Um, no. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about kind of like stay on because this is like what I describe as like the mob and uh, the mob the mob shit. Um, 
there was a lot of um, there's a lot of interesting thing because like this is a tale of competition moving in, and it's like big big stakes uh-huh. like Rudy and Carmen and the horse, and then there's small stakes like you know somebody moving in on the the drug dealer, the official house drug dealer of Club Three Sixty Six. Oh, and right. Vincent have to put a kibosh on that, um, which was a awesome scene. Like one of the pleasures in life is watching a guy get into something way <laughs> over his head, and then like I'm not saying literally like, over like, his head. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying like like killed, but like you know like a, a bouncer comes up and makes a re- a polite request to a drunk person, and then you just see fuck you, and you know what's going to happen, and it's probably going <laughs> right. to be hilarious. And this guy yeah. like it's it felt like a bigger scene like i mean it's just it's just awesome watching big mike clean house but like i did like when the uh, vice guy came back i was with vincent i thought oh this guy what was he undercover or something did he get his neck broke is there going to be a lawsuit like what's 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 going on Mm -hmm. uh do you think it was just like what is the point of that scene just to kind of underline the how like threats not necessarily big organized ones are just moving all in from all different vectors yeah i mean it makes me wonder if that was organized by the horse because i we found out in this episode that those guys who came and abused what's his name outside of paul's uh were sent by the horse yeah um so maybe this guy is too you know he's just trying to disrupt rudy's businesses move in on him from every angle yeah, there's a lot of West Side Story Puerto Rican stuff going on in this episode. Um, I thought it was interesting. I think this is a, maybe a point because I think a shocking amount of Americans don't know that Puerto Ricans <laughs> are Americans. Uh-huh. Like, for example, Bobby, when he's like, you have your green card? She's like, I'm Puerto Rican. Exactly. And he still you got, doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. got to get your shit together because that's not going to fly. Like, right. no, she's an American citizen, man. Um, I thought that 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 was pretty funny. Um, uh, they also made a, I think they make a lot of real world allusions in this. Um, I think the God is a twisted fuck speech that Vincent was getting into or Frankie was getting into was about Larry Flint, the hustler huh. guy that from our home city of uh the Queen City of Cincinnati, uh, got shot and put in a wheelchair uh over you know people being scandalized by the smut he was peddling. Yeah. Um, I thought that was interesting. There's also a um, an allu- not an illusion, a name check of uh, Belushi, right? Uh, John yeah. Belushi, like you know, famously a wild man in the clubs, and like I don't know, like, he died in the early '80s, right? He's still a few years away from completely losing it, but yeah, he's got to be, you know. Uh, and I also there's like just like kind of like the way Rudy is like a genuine fan of John Belushi and does the samurai chef routine and then like uh vincent's like, hey you want to meet him he's like oh no let him have let him have fun i'm like pretty classy for a gangster absolutely you know absolutely. i was happy to see that like john yeah. belushi yeah just you let the man be the man you know yeah 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 like he's like ah you know i just it's, just, it's cool I, I, I like his work but i thought that was uh i thought that was pretty uh pretty cool um uh, what what do you think about Vin or uh, Frankie being you know, ha- having to resign from the business and uh, you know I get I, was Tommy going to beat the shit out of him to do it and like Vince uh, though Rudy said he wasn't going to hurt him so I don't say why Vince was so upset that uh, Tommy's going to go and resign Frankie maybe he doesn't believe him yeah or he's like I don't know why would Rudy lie or like, there again or, he's going to find out maybe he knows that. 
you know, that guy goes to Frankie and Frankie oh. cops an attitude and he gets violent. Frankie you know? swings on him and then yeah. then he's in pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I could Whereas see. If, if Vin goes to him, it's like, you know, brothers, whatever. Maybe they throw a few punches, but in the end, it'll right, smooth right. over. Right. Um, and, he's, and nobody's going to kill anybody <laughs> if the brothers meet. So, yeah. Um, it's it interesting, though, right? Like, is do you think? I mean, Frankie is out of the business, right? Rudy has the final say on that. Rudy has spoken. Frankie's out. Do, how how much of a fight do you think Frankie's going to put up? I don't know because I feel like there's two things that could happen. Number one, Frankie could just be like, "Hey, I got that was I borrowed." I mean, I, I still know that I would fly with Rudy because mm-hmm. Rudy's just like, uh, "This is an addict type situation." But I also could see this building him having his own thing. Yeah, might be like that's that is going to be the the low stakes capers. There's going to be the rest of the season. How I don't know how he gets in trouble doing that, but him trying to run this thing, um, this 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 laundromat with his Asian lady and with his head fucking stuck so far up his ass. Like I love the guy that. <laughs> Like when he's like he's like uh oh, twelve in by twelve have a nice hours he's like oh he's a fucking idiot like he doesn't he thinks this 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 place is open five hours like what, <laughs> right. what the fuck is his problem and also I I see I'm not street smart enough to know but I felt there was a little undercurrent of this is a complex operation and that means it's not just a laundromat like there mm-hmm. might be some like fucking golden triangle heroin coming in and out of that place or something like that. Like, sure. It could be American. There could be some American gangsters. There could be some dead GIs involved. No, no, we're, we're still in fighting Vietnam in 77, but. Could, it could I, be, you know, a parlor of its own. True. Uh, who knows yeah. what's going on in there, right? Right, right. Uh, that, that, the, the Asian flavor of massage parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's, it, there's something more to it than just in that. Because the guy's getting significant looks like you're going to need help running this place. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think he's just going to have his, like, he's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck Rudy. I don't need him. And, you know, too bad for him. He has probably doesn't speak the language. He doesn't know the industry. He's a fucking idiot. And also <laughs> yeah. he's in the middle of a gang war and a known associate of Rudy's. So, uh, Sounds like it's gonna be gonna be rough for him. Um, oh, one thing I want to talk about is Bobby. Like, there's a, I don't know what they're doing with this. This just might be something that the Pelicanos and Simon are doing for the fuck of it. But I really like that scene where Bobby comes home and his kid's in trouble and he's sitting in the chair and he's like sullen about like he, he like oh I pushed the school I pushed the teacher and I'm suspended and then like Bobby starts laying into him and the kid stands up and like, it took Bobby aback. Like, Oh shit, this kid's as big, if not bigger than me. Yeah. Uh, like it is kind of scary for him that he's completely lost. Like he has no moral authority over this child and now he can't even probably bully him. I mm-hmm. think that's, that was a really interesting place to put Bobby. And it doesn't seem like it's going to have any kind of like, this is kind of like Bubbles reconciling with his sister. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the gen- the whole arc of understanding what's going on in West Baltimore. It's just, uh, you know, a nice nice little little moment there. Yeah, and I do like, you know, what Simon does, Simon and Pelicanos do with the kind of slice of life stuff too, right? You know, it's yeah. not all about just the, the deuce. Uh, it's about the people who are affected by the deuce as well. Right. And, and I guess Bobby is... A, a slice of that yeah uh can- candy you know eileen I is is very much the the bigger slice which maybe we should start talking about her okay yeah we could do that because uh 
Yeah. Um, so Candy goes out there. Eileen goes out there uh, trying to transition to their, their actual names. <laughs> right. Uh, with Harv, and she meets up with Lori, and Harvey wins Best Director right after he explains that that one scene she shot for him made the movie. It's what everyone's talking about. And you can see, like, um, Ms. Gyllenhaal does amazing work in this episode because there's just looks like this mm-hmm. look of her contemplating this man getting credit for something that she did. And then her face when Alex Pullman propositions her in the studio and she's like, well, this isn't what I want to do, but also this is $10,000 and I've sucked how many dick for tw- like, like right. all of that fucking shit goes right across her face as plain as day. And it's funny because like it, it's set up earlier by the one actor asking Lori how she acted in that one porn scene. And she gave like a pretty good method answer for like, oh, well, I, I remember like what is like the and I felt like that's kind of highlighting like how the hell do you do that? How do you direct someone to have like six different thoughts run through their head uh, that they're very emotionally conflicted about? Mm-hmm. Man, it's yeah. so good. I don't know. I mean, yeah, she was the best part of season one, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, she's doing really strong work again in season two. Yeah. Uh, and and I I really like the situation she's put in here because it doesn't, like, do, doing this this act, you know, mm-hmm. going behind this guy's desk and blowing him for 10 grand, mm-hmm. I don't think reduces our opinion of her at all. It, it's It's an interesting kind of framing of that action you know she has done this many times before many times Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she's done it all in the service of like moving up just another inch right Mm -hmm. like getting crawling her way out of this misogynistic uh trap that she's in uh and i think that like stepping up from what 750 Uh for a for a blowjob to 10 grand for a blowjob is a big moment for her and she's going to use it we know what she's saving it for right something big she's saving it for her own movie i think she's she makes the right call here like i know it's it's a call she should never have to make Uh but because she does she she makes the right call in my opinion so I think that's the healthy way for Eileen to look at it. I'm going to tell you the the unhealthy way that <laughs> sure. then comes in later when she comes home and she has a phone number from the bank, a phone call from the bank wanting yeah. because she, this this house that she wants to get so she can finally be reunited with her son. It's going to be a hiccup because she's no she's got no pay stubs to show. Like she's going to give a pay stub for this blowjob and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's for a what one twentieth of the money that she needs, and for ten percent of the profit. And the other thing is like, it you, you're tempted to think of it as like, well, she just turned a trick for ten thousand. Like, imagine seven years ago this happened. Her and Thunder Thighs are partying like no tomorrow on the strip because mm-hmm. like I just got a guy to give me ten thousand dollars for blowjob. But now she sold a piece of her money or her film. If the film makes five hundred thousand dollars, she just paid that guy. Mm-hmm. To let her suck his dick. That's the really thing that's fucked up about it. And I kind of feel like there's a little bit of her realization of, like, I got an amount of money that's not even going to get me anywhere near where I need to be, and I've lost 10% of my film. Like, my God, when I get the whole $200,000, what, what's going what's to look this is going to look like? And Right. But it's a tension of, you know, whether or not she's even going to get this thing made. Yeah. Um, which I think is important. And... uh 
But all that that feeds into like the same thing Cece says to Lori, don't forget what you are. Like when she's looking in the mm-hmm. mirror, I feel like those words are echoing in her head that like I'm uh, like no matter how far I crawl, I'm never going to get the respect I need because of how I had to, to get there. Sure. Uh, that's, that's that kind might of be my, true. Yeah, that's kind of my read on the the, the her. I, I think I think both your take and my take are warring within her. Yeah, and sure. and unfortunately, in this era, in this world, uh, if the outside audience is scoring, they're probably going to score more for the negative side than the positive side because nobody like you can kinda mm-hmm. kinda claw your way through the adult side of things into some kind of respectability, like in a one in a ten thousand chance nowadays. Back then, fuck, forget about it, forget about it. You right. And, and I look at the the other phone calls that she gets. You know, she gets a yeah. call from this guy saying. Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to put you in touch with a couple of my buddies from school. Well, you know what they fucking want. Mm. You know what they want? Like, they want their shot at handing a woman 10 grand and getting their dick sucked. Like, mm. and getting 10% of the pie, you know? That's that's huh. what she has lined up here is two more of these opportunities, quote unquote. See, okay. So I have a different take. I think that that is Harvey calling... And he has names of people. I think you're supposed to understand. Oh, is, is it? it? I think because like I, I didn't think Alex so. Guy. I didn't. I thought so too. But like the sub, the subtitles said Harvey. And like oh. after listening to him, like okay, I thought it's your contrast that like Harvey. I see. Say, hey, I'm not going to help you because I know this is your thing. But here's some names of good people that can like work the camera and maybe for a discount. Gotcha. Like, like, so maybe she can make the film not for $300,000, but for cheaper because Harvey's helping her not like the way, like the way that he would help a male colleague. I'm not going right, to right. ask you to suck my dick. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to say, here, here's a couple connections with no strings attached. I think is the contrast you're supposed to understand. But okay. if it's, if it's the other guy calling back and, and because like HBO has not been spot on with the closed captions, as we know, <laughs> uh, true, they, yeah. they've had to do retractions on Westworld and shit. So like. But if that's if if it's not Harvey, then I think I'm back to thinking that that is more shit because the other thing is there's a rhythm. She gets a bad news phone call, good news phone call, bad news phone call about her son Adam, which that's the cliffhanger that they kind of leave us with. But mm-hmm. it, it would also fit this scene to just be bad news, worse news, worse news, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So huh. um, okay. I'll have to go back like and we, check that out. We left something on the table. Um, oh, there's a little bit of stuff here. Um, we can talk about Rod, uh, Larry and Darlene. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is, um, you know, this is the. Inf- so, so I want to talk a little bit about this because it's it's a pretty short topic, which is uh, for various different reasons, Larry and Darlene are upset with the way uh, black actors are being treated in the porn industry. Mm-hmm. And the white director, Bernie, says, look, there's just no market for, you know, no white guy wants to see a black guy fuck a white woman. And no, like, like you guys are just very niche, niche. Um, it turns out there's a huge market for interracial porn. <laughs> right. a huge. Like, it's one of the most popular categories. So it's interesting because Bernie says, hey, it's not racist. It's just economics. Mm-hmm. And that... That's the argument for so many things, for so many, so many things against rec, uh, um, uh, representation. Like, mm-hmm. well, no one does it, and I think personally, the idea is gross because there's no way Bernie's not fucking racist. Of you know, he's he's a fucking porn director in the late seventies. I do not accept that Bernie is <laughs> has no racist bones in his body. It's these these old white guys making decisions about what American will and will not buy. 
and being yeah. tragically wrong about it. And, and that's the thing. Like, d- do you believe that black people don't like sex and don't like to watch sex? Because that's what you're saying here. And right. it's interesting, too, because, you know, they've spent how much time and money right. and effort building building a fucking right. market for this right? right like this didn't happen overnight this is something this white market that he's talking about was mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. years with millions yeah. of dollars yeah uh what what they don't want to do is put forth the effort to cater to people that they don't care about right you know right right because it would take a lot of time and effort to build that market because it's not just going to come overnight yeah that's a good point it's not not just that like black people would enjoy watching uh, porn as well featuring themselves but also like i don't know because it's funny it's like it's not like the boon of interracial porn is not in itself racist like there's <laughs> okay. got there's got yeah. to be like with with since this is america we're talking about mm-hmm. there's got to be a lot of extra charge because uh well i mean shit you don't just fucking look at the titles go on e-porn sometime or Pornhub or whatever like it, there's there's plenty of blatantly racist shit in this this porn but mm-hmm. people are getting paid i mean i still think i don't know I, I don't know if it's i don't know if it's true i wonder if it's still true that black guys get paid less than white guys to make porn i don't know i don't know either probably probably um i don't know it's the one industry where women get paid like 10 times more than men though so like <laughs> it's uh good for porn yeah, yeah, it's the one place that they're progressive in. <laughs> uh, I do have to say, probably my favorite scene in this whole episode was Larry trying to come to grips with the concept of a DP. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's like, oh, it's a director of the photography, right? The guy who runs the camera. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> and you know what was really funny is the guy he's talking to, like, I thought, because Larry is dressed crazy. Yeah. And I thought that you're supposed to understand that he's, like, on bat for the DP scene and the okay. white guy being like, I'm kind of into it. He said that just to like freak, freak Larry out. Uh, <laughs> right. But I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Larry's taking a step into uh, that side of the camera as of yet. Not yet. You think he'll make it? Is that going to be, he's going to be like the Jackie Robinson of porn? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. Yeah. I, get, I do yeah, believe if, that. If somebody will, someone give him a chance. Um, yeah. But I thought that was, that was really interesting. Um, yeah, well, let other- me ask you this. When, when, Larry gets into porn if he gets into porn, mm-hmm. uh, and he kind of ceases to become a pimp. Now he's working in the porn industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what changes in his and Darlene's relationship? Because now they're kind of like working side by side. If if that was the yeah, case, yeah, it would. I mean, the thing I want to see happen is uh, like Larry get it like some kind of sadomasochist scene and ends up with a taste for being submissive. I think <laughs> okay. that would be hilarious. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think to me, Darlene's ready to take flight. Yeah. She's building a nice little career for herself. She's making some good money. She's got her GED. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I kind of think that that she is being portrayed as like a, a bright and motivated street worker, and she's going to be ripe for the plucking, or not for the plucking, ripe for the uh, organization efforts is happening with the social mm-hmm. workers or the the sex workers. So now, I mean, the greater tragedy is I think nothing's going to really come of that. Um, you know, there's just going to be an insane orgy of violence and crime and corruption, and and <laughs> and things are going to go back to pre mid seventies things for 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 prostitutes and pimps are going to research. But I don't know. I don't know because again, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty ignorant of uh, the history of New York through up up till the nineties. Well, um, he is the one pimp that seems to be getting out of the pimp game. 
Um, yeah, or at least Ted putting entirely. his toe in the water. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the thing is, I, I never thought that game was in him. Like, he always struggled with it. He's, uh-huh. He always struggled with the swagger. He struggled with the char. He struggled with the, like, you know, fact that I think he's a little bit more limited than the other pimps, too. So, like, it's mm-hmm. not... Uh, you know, even like a like his strung out girls are able to outthink him a little bit, and you yeah. get a sharp cookie like Darlene, and then so yeah, I think it's a lot. It's always been a lot of work for Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he might welcome I, that change. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, and then you got Rodney, who <laughs> oh, God, you know, we we talk, so so Leon's back, which is cool. Love seeing yeah. Slim Charles walk back through the door. And Rodney, it's Rodney comes in, starts shit with Detective Chris right away, and then Chris is like, "You need to sit the fuck down, Rodney." And then Leon's back, fresh after murdering a pimp, uh-huh. and Rodney starts calling him a murderous motherfucker. Like, is 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 Simon Pelicanos have enough dark humor to have Slim Charles murder a pimp every season. <laughs> like that's like good. every single time he murders a pimp and next time we're going to come back to mid mid eighties and, uh-huh. and, and Leon's going to come walk him back through the door. Like that would be so fucking pitch black for comedy, but it is pretty funny. It would it be pretty I mean, funny. You don't even have to have him murder the third pimp in the third season. Just right. The implication, right? Right, 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 right. Cause we've had like, I mean that's the case. Like we've got essentially three pimps, you know. Uh, we got left, yeah. No, we got well, Cece, we Rodney, got and and so if Larry escapes and he murders Cece and Rodney, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. That'd be like that. Just be the bookend. That's that's he's mm-hmm. the he's the pimp undertaker. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I want to talk about this like because um, there's a, just a, this this kind of weaves in and out of the episode. The fact that these um moral the 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 mayor's moral task force um doesn't have any engagement with the cops um the cops are skeptical because every four years they they do this stuff we we essentially they're what they're running in and what is what i thought was interesting is chris said that the mayor ran on setting up essentially a hamster dam a red light district to essentially make official what the unofficial strategy has been which has been successful um and they're like they're plan is essentially to pump money in the area and then ban massage parlors and outlaw hot bedding do all this stuff to make it to put prostitution back on the street and eliminate it mm-hmm. and i think the stories that we're going to be told is the money injection is going to work the crime thing is going to be an utter fucking fiasco but it'll allow to be called a success huh okay because it worked right like all this strong because arm that shit area worked. yeah yeah, whereas they could have had a vibrant New York City making a lot of money and made sex workers' lives better, John's lives better, but they chose not to, and they can look back at, like, look at Times Square now. Look how shiny mm-hmm. and awesome it is. Our crackdown worked. And when they really, make, you know, a, mil- a million dollars per block on the Deuce real estate, you know? Right. But Times that's the Square. Other, and that's the penny-wise, penny pound-foolish strategy, because, yeah. like, how much money and policing and violence and crime and vandalism are you losing throughout the entire city by right. refusing to just say you know what people are people and they want to buy drugs and they want to get their dick wet and uh 
that this is what's going to happen, and we're going to try to make it safe and sane and mm-hmm. and legal and you know so abuse like I, I I it's so fucking frustrating, man. Like and and I'm not even like David like David Simon must be like enraged all the time <laughs> because he makes these these shows that everyone thinks are the best ever, and they all say the same thing. And you know we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of The Wire, and fuck if anything is different. Like there's yeah loosening up a little bit on weed but that's like the lowest of the hanging fruit oh yeah i mean that's, so, that's you know the reversal of prohibition essentially exactly like, it's the one thing that the public is demanding so i guess let's give it to them right uh you know and wait until they demand heroin and prostitution i guess right, uh, right. but that's a stupid thing right like the money is there either way the money is going to come if you completely keep all this stuff illegal and you develop the real estate, you're going to get the money from this one little area where you developed. Uh, right. The money is there in spades, and you can do something good for people, right? You can be sympathetic yeah. and understanding if you simply legalize this stuff or decriminalize it right. and, and regulate and tax it, right? Like, that's... The answer is right not there. Getting, the, the, the mob is making millions of dollars <laughs> yes. under your fucking noses, and if you cut that like 30 percent right off of that and said that's ours uh-huh. uh and, and also you're gonna now have police protection you're not gonna be in wars all the time right. on the streets like it just makes so much sense and it just seems so short-sighted to try and push it out in the, it, it, by chasing these very small tax dollars for the real estate and the businesses that come in there versus the nationwide tax dollars of legalizing yeah. these vices yeah, and so and when the you know Chris goes back to talk to his squad commander and he's like you know well you know it's 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 an economic thing like there's a million dollars per like like you said the idea that they can legalize and tax that and and realize the benefits and they're not it, mutually they, exclusive they, they, they can't right? even see it right yeah like like, like you, you can have it. nice buildings and businesses there and get your tax money from that and also get the tax money from these vices yes yes it's a, even if it like it won't be like if you make it not illegal it won't be a cash business anymore and what, can, what does that produce taxes right right and you know then you start then then there's no cover-up so like there's nothing to overlook the other way on so you uncorrupt mm-hmm. your police force because you just wean them hardcore off of bribery money it's you reduce like, costs on your police force because you're not having to yeah, constantly enforce these stupid you're, laws. You're now able to investigate murders and rapes and mm-hmm. arsons and like crack that. Like it's, dude, it, it's twenty, it's 2018, and we're still doing it the wrong way. We're still spending all yep. the money on enforcement and and interdiction and and cutting constantly things that work. Outreach programs, education programs, treatment programs, needle exchanges, free like all this shit we do we just do it we fucking do it wrong. It's a solved problem and we're still insisting that no 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 ours is the better way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And if you wanna if if you're not pissing blood already, listen to the first two episodes of Serial that dropped last week because it's this stuff on a small everyday racket kind of scale and the same kind of like obstinate oh my way is the right way and we got to punish the the wicked and it's 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 all so fucked up man uh <laughs> what else i think that's oh and then we got the the moral police i, I don't the, the the this this scene i'm i i don't know about uh they just come and find the person getting a blowjob from a hooker and it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is Times Square. Like, no shit. We've been living in this world for 13 episodes. Um, oh, I, I, I think at the end of that, they're like, when he says, well, it's a good start. 
he's he's saying we've already busted you know one. Oh, we, we've already we've stopped ran... a little bit of prostitution oh, 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 oh. yeah 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 okay because that was her regular which i thought was a funny joke and it's just there to establish hey this is where our office is yeah you know? yeah yeah and you're right that's that's actually a little bit more clever than i was uh letting on to it uh i think that's about all i want to talk about is there anything else you wanted to talk about no i'm good all right Hey, before we get to feedback, I want to talk about the club. Uh, club.baldmove.com. You go there, you support Bald Move, you get a lot of extra features. One of the seasonal content we're doing for club members only right now is the Empire business. We alluded to in the, the housekeeping section. But it's a six-part series talking about a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff of Bald Move, like our finances, uh, how advertising works. We give a tour of our latest version of the studio and our plans for the future. Uh, talk about um, uh, different podcast networking opportunities we've had, building a podcast network, a lot of stuff. Um, and that's one of the many features that you get for being a club member. Uh, it's easy to join. Go to club.baldmove.com. Uh, you can join monthly, quarterly, yearly. Uh, you can try a lot of the stuff, uh, the, a lot of the premium features for free just by going to club.baldmove.com. And you can try all the features free for 30 days just by signing up. Once again, we appreciate your support in advance, club.baldmove.com. Let's move on to feedback. If you want to send us feedback, send it in to tv at baldmove.com. Dave's up first. Hey, guys. You mentioned on a recent Deuce podcast that you weren't too knowledgeable about the history of uh, New York City in this period. In fact, we mentioned it yet again on this podcast. <laughs> I listened to a podcast called The Bowery Boys for a while, which is a couple of guys exploring New York City's history. They have an episode focusing on the deuce and an awesome page of history related to the era, some amazing photos and commentary on the topic. I hope you're able to find time to explore a bit. I want to make time because that sounds uh, amazing. If you want to check it out, go to BoweryBoysHistory.com, um, and I will actually post, post a direct link in the show notes to this particular um, uh, uh, the Deuce episode. The episode's called Times Square in the 70s, Grind, Grindhouse's Peep Shows, and Triple X Neon Nostalgia. But I'll, like I said, I'll post a direct link. Yeah, I, I went there, um, and apparently it is a post that is sponsored by HBO, oh. uh, which was interesting. And the website seemed really cool, what they were doing. They had a whole bunch of pictures of Times Square in the 70s. Uh, like, mm-hmm. Don't just check out the podcast. Don't just like go to iTunes and search it, but also go yeah. to their that link for their page because yeah. they have a lot of really cool photos on there. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. Um, I've got some driving ahead of me in the next couple of days, and I'm going to uh, pound it out then. Uh, moving on to Lorian. In regards to the discussion of the bus station scene in the latest episode of The Deuce uh, versus the one from the opening from season one, the season one opener you're, ta- you're taking about or talking about took place at the Port Authority bus terminal. I know Ugh. because I commute into it every morning, and I was excited to see it mentioned on TV. It's cleaner and better looking now, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, I uh, took a bus into Port Authority one time. Yeah, not by yeah. much. Not yeah. by much. Yeah. Uh, so the setting in season two wasn't a sign of the changing times, but the outcome of the scene certainly was. So I guess we we thought it was the it was the airport, and it's still it's still a a, a bus terminal. So okay. Um, thanks for the correction, Kate who wrote in last week to say she's not feeling this season as much as the first one continues with this episode. I'm still nagged by the sense the series is becoming a bit simplistic for me. I've lived through this. I quote unquote, get the basic stock characters of that time in that particular section of the city, but I'm not truly sensing anything beneath the surface level grime with each episode. We're getting snapshots of where each character is at that point, but I'm not getting a true investment in any one character. I'd rather have more focus on one or two, like for example, candy and Vincent, rather than the constant updates about every named character. You know, 
I actually was shocked on second watch of how well interlaced this episode was. Like, it's a plate-spinning game, and every single time one you start to lose track of one plate of wobbles, he came by for 30 seconds just to kind of keep it going. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just thought it was a marvel of editing and, and narration. But can you see a little bit where Kate's coming from on this? I don't know. I mean, I'm not as familiar with the topic you know i didn't live this uh that's that's a big point too yeah so like to me seeing that that cd grime that she's talking about is interesting in in and of itself mm-hmm. uh i i think the one the one place where this series maybe is not as interesting as let's say the wire mm-hmm. is that it's historically accurate you know mm-hmm. as far as like the big strokes go Mm-hmm. So where where can this story go? Well, only where history went, essentially. Right. Uh, and, and I think, it, you know, that's why the characters are so important in this, because they're the fictionalized element, mm-hmm. uh, and they become, like, the message of it, mm-hmm. I guess, um, which is, which is, in my opinion, different than The Wire, because The Wire, I felt like the, the time and place was the message. And right. this is not quite like that, because it's a part of history. I... Does that make I any sense? Because, like, The Wire was a single epoch or epoch of West of, of Baltimore. Like, uh-huh. you see a one complete revolution the Barksdale, of the Barksdale organization sunsetting and the, you know, Marlo Stanfield's organization kind of sunrising. But uh-huh. you un, you're supposed to understand that it's Ameri- this. It's it's not set in any one period of time. It's this could be happening in 2018. It could be happening in 1992, which is when the roughly the crimes that they're alluding to and fictionalizing took place. It's like mm-hmm. Baltimore continues to be this way because nothing has changed. The deuce is the same, but you're right. It's fixed to a particular point in time, so we know that these people are not going to successfully transition to Hollywood careers. They're not going to legalize prostitution in a red light district and they're not going to get get rid of all the pimps like there there is you're right it's 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 a slightly less ceiling to surprise or like pull genuine twist out of yeah it's more like which which of these characters is going to become the archetype that we know from history right like which of them is going to go on to escape the prostitution life uh you know which Mm -hmm. it's it's inherently slightly less interesting, but I don't think it makes it a worse show necessarily. Right. Because I'm still really enjoying watching it. Yeah. Um, and that's the, like, I don't know. They might do better. because the, the problem with it is I think Simon, he likes his thesis to just cover too much ground. Like, he could stay busy hmm. just keeping this about the pimps and the prostitutes. Yeah. He could keep this, he could stay busy just by keeping this about the cops and the 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 politics. And he could keep it busy just by talking about the mob stuff. But to tell a complete story of how, like, this uniquely American failure, he has to kind of get it from all angles. Or you could say mm-hmm. – because, like, I, I feel like he, he writes defensively. Like, you know, a law enforcement guy might say, well, well, this isn't – but they can't really say that. Like, like, there's not a politician or a journalist or a police officer or even someone from the underworld that watches this show and be like – Oh no, that doesn't ring true at all. That's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> right. And the and the only way he can shut everyone up is to have this massive cast. And he he you know, 
it is it is a little off putting because uh you know it, as a consequence you have to watch like at least four or five episodes of any of his shows before you feel like you have the slightest idea what the hell's going on. Um, yeah, I mean I it honestly for me that doesn't detract. I no. I think it makes it richer, frankly. Right. right. I mean it is I remember the first time I watched The Wire it was a little bit slow going, but like now it's to the point where like I I kind of in I I'm familiar with that mental confusion and like I don't know these guys' names. I'm just going to mm-hmm. uh and and I associate it with like the Simon quality. So it's like I it's like okay, I'm being thrown into the deep end again, but I know I'll eventually learn how to swim, so this isn't scary, it's fun. And but, I want to say maybe they they pulled it off better in the deuce. Yeah. They, like yeah. the intro cuz I mm. was very like up until episode 4 or so of The Wire I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea who was who and wh- what, you know, their their affiliations were. Right, and right, right, right. It was so fucking confusing, and I didn't feel that in the deuce. I felt like there was a more gradual and natural uh, introduction of all these elements Yeah, that, that and, made it feel better for me in the beginning. And the organizations didn't matter as much because, like, you know, it's like the, like the pimps were rolling in a gang, and you had the cops, but they wore uniforms, so yeah like, maybe it's just inherently even, easier to yeah, tell, you didn't even yeah. deal with plainclothes guys until this season and we yeah. introduced us to the plainclothes officer by an officer we knew very well from last season so mm-hmm. it's all uh all all pretty interesting and yeah i'm sorry you're not feeling as much and like i think maybe that's part of it is like if i grew up in baltimore yeah uh the wire might be almost like too treacly like yeah of course this, i'm uh, you know or if i grew up in like this around 70s new york this might not be is because again i'm not necessarily learning new things i'm learning further applications of things i already knew um, right, which is right. a little like i don't know sometimes i feel like it's it's preaching to the choir like you have to accept uh simon's like basic economic and philosophic and political premises but also, it's like I would love to see another explanation for how neatly this explains so much what's that's that's wrong with like especially urban America, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 always like bullshit, stupid policies from on top, and and it's never ever ever going to get any better, no matter who you elect, until we start holding these people accountable and saying we actually have to see some real change. We can't just do the same old same old tough on crime bullshit. Uh, Demek says, watching the show reminds me of an episode of the Guys We Fuck podcast where the host interviewed a former pimp. Um, man, we are Wait, getting, what is we, that are, co- we are get- recommending podcasts left and right on, on our competing podcast. I don't know how, com- I'm feeling a little CC here. I'm feeling a little, feeling a little replaceable. Um, guy, guys We Fuck Yeah, podcast? Guys We Fucked podcast. Guys We Fucked. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's not on iTunes. That can't be on iTunes. Uh, maybe me, not. Apple Podcasts. Maybe it has an asterisk with the, you know, oh, you yeah. get away with that. Um, G asterisk YS We Fucked. You can say Guys We Fucked all day long as we're proving. You yes. just can't. You just can't say it in the iTunes directory. Um, anyway, one of the hosts interviewed a poor, former pimp. They're a very specific type of predatory con men, almost like a cult leader with few female believers. I guess that's why I always wince a little when Aaron comments on how much of a swag that Cece has. Underneath the velvet <laughs> jacket, the fancy cane, or even the violent temperament, there's only a shadow of an insecure, unsophisticated man who's afraid of flying. I mean, you, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, what you're coming to appreciate is that swag was built on brutalization of essentially helpless women that he held entirely under his power. Yeah. And the second that gets punctured a little bit, it's just like a <laughs> flies across the room like a balloon. Um, and I like seeing guys like CC out of their depth because, yeah. you know, when they get even a slight bit out of the element, 
that they know, right. then they fall to pieces. And right. we're seeing that with CC. And I, I like shows like this that that like hold up conventional like stereotypical masculine archetypes that like and be like, uh-huh. look how cool and flashy and in control this guy is. And he walks into a room and he's owning it. And then he s- cuts a girl and you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, this is ah, this, oh, this is I see everything that's wrong with like that. And, and also like uh, like authentic confidence. Um, that a guy like Leon has or a guy like Chris has versus like this whatever bullshit that CC and you know Frankie and all these other like you know paper tigers have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's part of that's part of what Simon's doing. He wants you to think these guys are cool. He wants you to start uh, you know rooting for the good bad guys, and then he will punish you for that. Yeah. So. Um, Anyway, uh, Freddie from Texas says, best episode of the series. Craziest part about the show is, for the most part, it paints the mob in a good light. I think, <laughs> I think the bad light is being cued right now. Yep. Like, like, if you hear that, if you hear those sirens in the distance, that's, that's, the, bad, that's the bad light music coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be unflattering. It's going to be flat, flickering, fluorescent, light. You're going to see every pore, every pimple, every blackhead. It's, it's essentially going to be, the, gonna first, be good. the first 20 minutes of The Matrix. <laughs> sure 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 the um, all green fluorescence it'll be terrible yeah. yeah 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 it's terrible um so that is the feedback we got uh thanks everybody for listening i uh, hope you're enjoying our coverage of the deuce we'll be back next week with another uh another foray into the cd 70s porn scene in new york city we also have a couple of uh, standalone uh bald move tvs coming cecily and i are going to be talking about uh, bojack horseman we finished that this weekend i think you and Cecily, Jim and Cecily are going to be talking about Ozark later on this week, too. Yeah. Uh, so there will be more Bald Move TV. There will be more Bald Move TV yet this week. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.